Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and Happily Divorced Mom, who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey everyone, welcome back. I've had a fun week so far. In case you missed it on my Instagram, I was at a podcast recording studio recording Laura Wasser's podcast, Divorce Sucks, which will air in a few weeks. And if you're on my email list or follow me on social media, you're going to hear about it when it airs. There I am at uh, this fancy ass recording studio in Beverly Hills because that's Laura's speed. And in walks Shaq. Now, first of all, I mean, he's fucking Shaq. And let me tell you, now, you know Shaquille O'Neal is a big-ass dude, but you don't really know how big Shaquille O'Neal is until you are standing next to him, having a conversation with him, which I did. So he found out I was a divorce coach, and he asked my opinion about something. And I totally didn't agree with his opinion, so we kind of got into it a bit. And I kind of think Shaq was a little taken aback at being argued with by a tiny, I mean, tiny next to him in context. So it's like being argued with by this tiny little white girl. (laughs) But I wasn't backing down because I 100% didn't agree with him. But he wasn't really open to my coaching. So (laughs) ultimately, we had to agree to disagree. And that's basically the highlight of my week so far. On with today's episode. Today I have with me on the podcast, Deborah Rogers. Deborah is a writer, a blogger, a breakup coach, and a speaker. She is the author of the book called He Did You a Favor. And she's also one of my real life friends. So fun fact about today's episode, this is the first face-to-face interview I've done. Deborah and I often work together at a co-working space here in LA, so we decided to take advantage of their podcasting booth and record this episode together, and it was so much fun. So listen up as Deborah Rogers shares her wisdom and expertise about all things breaking up. Hey, Deb. Hi, Kate. How are you? Good. How are you? (laughs) Good. Um, I want everyone to know that, so as I said in the introduction, Deborah and I have been friends for a while, for a long time. Our kids went to school together. And so we are actually, this is the first podcast episode I've ever done where I am faced, we are face to face. We are in a sound booth at a co-working space in Pasadena, California. And so if we sound all giggly, it's because we're literally sitting across the table from each other. (laughs) So we'll see if this one uh, is different from other episodes because of that. Yeah. And it's my first podcast doing it this way too. So it's this will be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so thanks for being here, my love. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Let's just start off with um, an introduction. Who are you? What <laughs> are, are you? you? Who are you? Anyway, what are you doing in my sound booth? Um, <laughs> so tell, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. I am a writer and a blogger and a breakup coach and speaker. Um, I had a very bad breakup. Um, before that, I had the fairy tale marriage. I literally was Cinderella. I was married to a Disney animation director and living the fairy tale life. I got married not in my 20s. I got married later in life. And so when I met this guy, I thought, that's the one. That is the man I'm going to marry. My fairy tale ending is done. I am ready to live the happy life. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, bring it on. Um, and then it was about three years into the marriage. It was three o'clock in the morning, and I found out he was having an affair. There was a message on his phone. And I just was walking by his office and it was glowing and I went in and I checked it and my whole entire world came crashing down. At the time, I had no job. 
I had no friends. I had a life that I didn't recognize anymore. And I was also eight months pregnant. I didn't know who I was. I was ashamed. I thought that I had failed the marriage. I thought I failed my daughter for not my daughter to be for not being able to make it work. And through that, after we separated, I went through a five-year journey of recovery and self-discovery. And through that, I was sitting with a with because I had made a bunch of new friends and I was sitting with someone one day and I said, you know, I think one day I'm going to wake up and say he did me a favor. And I was like, oh my God, that's a book title. (laughs) And so like a few years later, I wrote the book and my new happy ever after is that I am now great friends with my ex. We're amazing co-parents and we have this incredible new relationship and new type of quote unquote family that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And one of the reasons that I think we get along so well is that we are, you know, similar in that we were emotionally devastated by our exes and we've managed to create a co-parenting, a healthy co-parenting relationship with these men who hurt us like more than we could ever imagine. And that you and I are often talk about how things are just not black and white and both things can be true. Uh, we can, we can have, we can have been, you know, emotionally abused or, um, cheated on or, you know, have, have been emotionally devastated by these people, be victims of their, um, infidelity, abuse, whatever it is. And we can find what's, what's good and what's whole and what we can keep together through the, through the long process of divorce and maintain that, right? They, they don't, we don't negate one by having the other, mm-hmm. right? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, every relationship is different. Here's the thing that I was thinking about the other day is because so many people go through this whole, you know, I was married to a narcissist. I was in a codependent relationship. You know, he treated me really badly. What if that person is doing the best that they can? Mm. What if they're doing the best that they can with where they are and what they know in their life? And what if it's just not good enough for you? Yeah. So that is a way of like letting go and no matter what relationship you've been in and how traumatic it's been, you have a choice of how you want to respond to that relationship and where you want to go from there. Do you want a good co-parenting relationship? You can work towards that and sometimes it takes years. Yeah. Sometimes it happens right away. I think you and I were a little bit more lucky that we had narcissistic relationships, but we also had men who were open to possibly having a better co-parenting relationship than most people do with yes. narcissistic relationships. Well, and actually, I think in both of our cases, it was important to them that they did for our kids. For our kids, but also for outward appearances, right? <laughs> like right. They, that was part of I think part of the ego is that they not look bad. like horrible people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And by the way, I think neither of our exes is a horrible person. You know, they are damaged. And you're right, right? They were doing the best that they could at the time. And it wasn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. It's not enough. And I, and you know, I want to, I want to hammer that home to the listeners who are still in the should I stay or should I go phase of things, which is that both things can be true. They can be doing the best that they can and you can have absolute compassion for their journey, for their wounding, for all of that. And it cannot be good enough for you and you can and you can move on from that. Right. Yeah. And this is where you get clear about your requirements. And requirements are not a long, huge list. Requirements right. are just those three to five things that you absolutely require in a relationship. And that that comes back to just being honest with yourself, getting yeah. quiet, 
Who am I? What do I really want? Mm-hmm. And it can get so clouded when you're in a relationship and the dopamine's going all over the place and the oxytocin and you're just caught up in the emotions. But the great thing always to do is to take that step back and to say, is this enough? Is this what I require? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would definitely say for this, should I stay or should I go? It's just really getting honest with yeah. with yourself. And sometimes it's more complicated than that, which is why I have an entire 12-week program <laughs> to help with that, right? Right. Because it's more, there is more work to be done. Like, how do you get quiet? How do you hear that voice, right? So, you know, the first module of my program, that's what we work on is actually mining for that voice because it gets, it does, it gets so clouded. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got our, we all have an inner guide and we all have an inner critic. And sometimes our inner critic is so loud. We can't get quiet and hear that guide, right? So just shameless plug. (laughs) That's what I do in my program. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely step one. I always say like holding on to angerness and bitterness against someone is having them like having them live rent free in your Mm -hmm. head. It's like Mm -hmm. they're monopolizing the bathroom and like you got to clear away that clutter Mm -hmm. and let go of that to be able to get, you know, quiet with what you really want. Yes, absolutely. So. So there you were eight months pregnant and you're just found out that your fairy tale husband, your Prince Charming has cheated on you. Yeah. What did you do next? Uh, I cried a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the kitchen floor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really spinning. I was also coming off IVF drugs. I was still injecting myself with heparin. I was going through postpartum depression on top of being depressed about my situation. I was a month out from giving birth. So in the beginning, I would say those first three months and after my daughter was born, who was, is the gift of my life, um, I was in survival mode. Yeah. I literally was just taking it one day at a time because that's all I could do. And here's the other thing. I was also holding on to hope. Yeah. I was still making excuses as to why this happened. Mm. And one of them was, um, was that I was thinking he was afraid of being a dad. Mm. And I thought, well, once he, once she's born, then everything's going to be okay. So there is, I was definitely, you know, they talk about the, the different stages, right? Yeah, I was right. in the denial, denial stage. I was in denial for my entire marriage. <laughs> I was in so much denial. I didn't see what was in front of my face. Oh, yeah. Hello. Blindsided. Yeah. I was right there with you. Oh, my God. I had people calling me and telling me, I think this is going on. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right? Not to me. Not to me. Yeah. But I think the first step, no, I know. The first step that I took was I asked for help. Mm. At the time, because I've been a screenwriting coach for film and television writers for over over a decade now. And I was in a woman's writers group and this woman recommended a life coach to me. And at the time I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll give her a call. And so that was one of the first things that I did. I reached out to this woman and I asked for help Mm -hmm. and we ended up working together for five years. Wow. And then through her, I started getting friends, new friends. Mm -hmm. So I started really building a new tribe of people that really had my back. Yeah. Because before that, I didn't. And my friends were his friends. Mm -hmm. I had pretty much abandoned all my friends. Um, And then the other thing that I did was I asked myself, who am I? Mm. And what do I really want And the thing that I had abandoned in my marriage was my writing. Yeah. And so I started journaling Mm. every day. And basically, He Did You a Favor, the book, came out of these five years of journals that I did. So let's talk about the book. Yay! (laughs) The book has been amazing. It has really been an unbelievable journey about how many women this has helped mm. get over, not only get over their breakup, but rediscover themselves 
and start dating again. Yeah. Um, because as a screenwriter, the book is, is, has that arc. <laughs> so it re- literally takes you through to dating again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even have married women who are like, Oh my gosh, I read your book and I like got so much out of it and it's helping me in my relationship. And yeah. So, um, it is, it's been an incredible journey. Um, and it came out of women asking me how I did it, how I got out of a relationship that was so horrible and, you know, now have this incredible relationship with this guy now engaged to another amazing guy. How did you do it? And this book tells you how to do it. Yeah. And it's a great book and everybody should read it because it is, it's inspiring and it's funny and it's, yes, it's, you know, and I will say that, you know, you have such a wonderful gift as you know, <laughs> such a wonderful gift with words. Um, and just the idea of that he did you a favor. So tell, what's the, what's the sort of basic premise of, and you have principles, you have your, fa- your favor principles too, right? I do. Yeah. So talk to us about about what it means. Now we all like, I think that from a surface level, we can all guess like, Oh, he did you a favor. Okay. So I learned something. I grew, I, you know, whatever, but I think it's a little deeper than that for you. Right. So what is that? What is, what is he did you a favor really mean for you? So he did you a favor is yes. I mean, that is the initial thing is that every experience, every situation gives you an opportunity to learn and grow and get better. And not that you were a bad person in the relationship, but here's the thing. We are evolving human beings. Mm. We are on a journey. There is no like, okay, here I am, you know, know, yeah, like in my marriage, I thought uh, this is it. This is Uh, it. I've arrived. Right. (laughs) Um, So it's about... Not only finding the favor, but about growing into the person that you are becoming, the person that you are meant to be. Yes. And so once this traumatic situation happens, whether it's a bad date or a bad breakup or a guy who ghosted you or a gaslight, any of those situations, there is a process. And actually, this is a course that I'm going to be launching this year. There is a process that takes you through how to become better, to learn something from it, to date better men, to grow more into your career, to find what you're really meant to be doing in your life, whatever that thing is. I usually talk about the favor as a gift. Mm. So it's about what you can gain from it. So that's the learning part, right? Mm -hmm. The next part is what do you intend to do with it? Once you gain something from it, for example, my writing, I realized that I could reclaim my writing What do I intend to do with it? I intended to write a book. Forgiveness, which is a big one, which is really hard for everybody, especially if someone's cheated on you. But we always have to remember that forgiveness is for you. It is not for them. Yes. Because by forgiving, you let go. And then the last one is trust. Release to, to increase. Allow this or something better to come into your life. So... Finding the favor is great, but living the favor is really what I want to empower women to do mm-hmm. on a daily basis and not just with your breakup, but also in your life and any disappointment and any failure. You can find the favor in any failure at any point in your life and use it to improve it. So the, so it's, so the favor principles are a gift. So it is. I just want to repeat it for everybody. Yeah, the favorite principles are the course. Oh, that's the course. Okay. the basic idea from it yeah. is gift, gift, which is gain. What can right. you what gain? What do you gain? Intend. What do you intend to do with it? Forgive. And the last one is trust. Got it. Okay. So I, I say that there, that home. there is a gift in every shift. Mm. And See, this is why Deborah's the writer. 
<laughs> this is why. Not that I'm not a writer, but like she comes up with these things. I have to tell you in the shower mostly. <laughs> I but Deborah's my go-to when I sit when I need to name something. I'm like, I don't know what to call this. I will text her, call her, and say, Hey, I need to name this thing. Cause she's the one who comes up with things like there's a gift in the shift. Like, like how brilliant is that? <laughs> Just from like a right. So I'm I'm sort of. Well, I also say the other one is is that rejection is redirection. See, it allows yeah. you. It always redirects you yep. into a new path, yes. and that path is always going to be ultimately better for you. Absolutely, whether you see it there or that at that point or not. Oh my god! And we so don't, right? We so don't in the moment. In the moment, we don't, but we have to strive for that. Like we have to be able to, we have to want that, right? Cause we have to, you have to seek it, right? You can, there's a, it's a, there's a choice. There's a, there's a, a direct choice in front of you. You can either stay in victim as a victim and, you know, claim that space heartily, which is really not very empowering, or you can choose to redirect and look for the gift, look for the favor, look for where this is going to take you now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. When, when my breakup first happened, I didn't want to look for the gift. I didn't, I wanted things to go back the way they were. Right. I spent so much time spinning in that. Um, and it only, you know, it was only through a process of, releasing and letting go and crying on the floor with my mint chocolate chip ice cream and that I was able to finally, you know, and you turn my direction in a new, in a new way, yes. right? Shift right. your perception. Yeah. So, um, let's, so now let's move to the next sort of the next thing that happened, which is, um, that you then started to seek attorneys and you have a, you have a really interesting story about, um, your search for an attorney and going through the divorce process. Yeah. Share a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, this was in the first year. So my daughter was only a few months old and I was still very hormonal. I think I was hormonal for like the first two years. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh totally. my gosh. Oh, totally. Absolutely insane. So when I first started looking at lawyers, I was broken. I was hurt. I was also the one who was cheated on. So I, I, you know, it's great that you say victim because I think I was going into those interviews as a victim and mm-hmm. I wanted sympathy. Right. And I could go through a whole thing, the difference between sympathy and empathy. You don't want sympathy. You want empathy. But I was looking for the sympathy and I was like, I'm the one, you know, who's been wronged. Right. So I was expecting any lawyer that I went in to see going, oh my gosh, you poor thing. I'm going to do everything I can to help you and to make sure you're taken care of and to make sure that he pays and all that. <laughs> and it wasn't like that at all. Yeah. That's not their job. Ultimately, it's, right? No. That's, that's your coach's job. That's your therapist's job. That's right. That's, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it is, I mean, it's almost a business. And, and here's the other thing. I mean, they, they see a well, million it is of us. A business. Right. <laughs> right. To them it is. Yeah. To them and, it is. And yeah. they've gone through the process with so many brokenhearted people. There is, there's a jadedness about yes. it. Right. Yes. And a distance. And you mm-hmm. have to, mm-hmm. if you got emotionally involved with every client, you would go home and like, you know, drink a bottle of tequila and go to sleep. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just be like, you can't get emotionally involved with your clients. Well, I didn't know that. Right. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people don't. So that was the first part was going through that process. The second thing, and I can't say this is for everybody, but I found that the male lawyers were better for me than the female ones, only in the fact that women were a little judgy and a little comparison. I was a a stay-at-home mom. I had no job at the time. And so there wasn't a lot of, again, sympathy or empathy for my situation, whereas men are naturally here to serve and protect. So they naturally took kind of a little bit more of the white horse role, mm. even though it was a business. And they, I felt more taken care of. It was a really bizarre thing. So when I did finally hire my lawyer, my ex had hired 
another lawyer um, who's very high, high powered attorney in LA. And they started getting into the boxing ring. And even though my ex and I had worked out a lot of the stuff and by now it had been about a year and a half after we had separated, we didn't actually really start going through the divorce, you know, yeah, until about a year and a half. So, so tempers had cooled. You were no yeah. longer, and this is, you know, I talk about this all the time that, you know, there should be a mandatory waiting period because after a year and a half, you're not fucking raging pissed anymore. You've kind of come down. Mm-hmm. So you and your ex had now kind of started to, I just wanted to pause and interject that because I think it's important to point to that. Right. There's one thing I do want to add to that, Mm -hmm. though. If you are in a relationship that does have a lot of tension, Mm -hmm. file quickly, but don't make the big decisions until later. And the reason why I say that is I have had women who have waited too long Mm. and the men have bought boats. Yeah. They have... um, hidden money in bank accounts. They have, because they knew they were getting divorced. And I hate to say this, I would love for everybody to be on the up and up. If they're not trustworthy and they are... Just get get the initial thing so you're safe. So you know that So there's a hold. But I 110% agree. We didn't actually finish really making the final decisions until two years later best decision of my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a decision. It happened that way. Right. We were able to be rational. We were able to be generous and gracious to each other. It was a whole different divorce. Whole different ballgame. Than if we had done it early on. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But But you had attorneys who were fighting when my ex and I were not. And I don't know how many people have gone through this or know this, that even if you're not fighting with your ex, a lot of times the attorneys will, will go into battle anyway. Yeah. Well, as we, as you know, a previous episode with Laura Wasser, I had on, right. She'd recounted the story of being in court and being about to settle and her opposing counsel re-upping the fight. And when Laura asked her what was going on, she said, well, I haven't made my retainer yet. Exactly. And the, and the, the clients were none the wiser. They didn't know that, right? So they, it's, it's possible, not always, like I'm not going to, I don't want to denigrate attorneys all the time, right? But that it is possible for when you get into the litigation system that your attorneys are fighting about things that you guys do not have any awareness about. Absolutely. I have another friend who went through the same thing and they went through battles for two years almost, but because they started off, they battled, their attorneys battled, and then it, there was never a cooling off period. And then it feeds the fire. Yeah. It just feeds it. just it got and worse and, and worse. Feeds it. Yep. Yep. And you even had a situation where your, your ex had to tell his attorney to back the fuck off. Yeah. Right. So yeah, my, I got a call from my attorney saying that his attorney was was yelling at him saying that I would not let my ex into the house to look at our financial paperwork because I took care of all the finances, um, would not let him come into the house. I literally started sobbing, called my ex-husband and said, your attorney's saying this stuff that's not true. And my ex-husband had to call his attorney and say, knock it off, leave her alone, which is crazy to me. Right. Because they're not they're not fighting for in your best interest or they think they are, but they blow shit up, right? They don't, they're not committed. Litigators like this are not committed to the process of, to the long-term process that as parents you're committed to, which is collaboration and service of your children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? And that's not what's, they're committed to get as much money as possible for their client and for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it's not every attorney. No, this is no, this is just my particular situation. So we fired our lawyers, which was a beautiful day. Mm. Um, Yeah, we just got on the phone with each other. And we just said, we're done. We're going to get a mediator. 
So we did. And I would pick him up at work, drive him over to the mediator. We would sit with the mediator for an hour or two. I'd drive him back to work to drop him off at his car. And we would talk on the way back saying, I didn't really like it when she said that. And I wasn't liking that, but I really love this. And I thought that was a good idea. And what do you think about this? And we did that for several months. And that's how we did our divorce. And it was so much better. Mm -hmm. And we were so much more generous with each other, mutually generous and thoughtful and thought about our daughter too. We were able to talk about our daughter and talk about, you know, what is best for her and, and, and how to, you know, split up the, uh, you know, how many days a week and all that kind of stuff. And it just worked out a lot better. I mean, it's, it's a, it's ultimately a beautiful story, right? Cause it, you really, it really does have the arc as <laughs> a full story arc and a full journey. Yeah. You know, and, and we are, we're like the best of friends now. Mm-hmm. We're great co-parents. This is the relationship we were meant to have. Yes. We are yes. so much better with each other now mm-hmm. than we were then. I a hundred percent agree. And I, he's, I, an, I, he's an amazing I, dad. He's an incredible dad. And my daughter has two great parents and now a great stepfather and happy ever after. (laughs) Happy ever after. (laughs) People often ask you, how did you become such good friends with your ex? Yes. And so what do you tell them when they ask you that? That's actually a chapter in the book. (laughs) Can you? And there is a quiz in there that, that, that says whether you should go forward or take one step back. Ah, oh, that's great. Um, because you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, th- you know, there's three things. Um, the first thing is practicing kind detachment. And now this is if you can be friends with your ex, if you still are emotionally attached to that person, if you still think about them, you know, there's a bunch of things in the book. Um, then you just got to take a little bit more breather time. It doesn't mean you can't be friends with your ex. It just means you have to get your own emotions in check first. Yeah. Okay. So once that happens, mm-hmm. you there's a thing that I call kind detachment, which I used to call loving detachment. But when I work with my clients, that just threw them off because they were like, I don't love them anymore. They did all this stuff to me. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So it's kind detachment. Basically, it's just... Being kind, but taking that step mm-hmm. back yes. and not being emotionally involved. Right. And there's a difference between, in you know, de- we call it detaching with an X or detaching with love, right? There's, it's, they're both detachment, but, but detaching with an X is very, can be very aggressive and, you know, really burn that fucking bridge. <laughs> Whereas kind detachment is a boundary. And it is taking care of yourself and it does not, it does not necessitate or require a shoving of the other person. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. The second one is really hard. And we talked about this, which is forgiveness, mm-hmm. which is very hard. The thing to remember about forgiveness, it's a practice. You are not supposed to get it all at once. My forgiveness of my ex took years and the person he cheated on with that took years too. But I did it piece by piece by piece until I was fully able to let go. And then, yeah, the third one is, is you have to be able to let go of that past relationship completely to be able to recreate a new one. Yes. I was lucky. My ex and I were friends before the relationship. So that was the basis of what I started with Mm -hmm. when we were starting to build that bridge again. Yes. Yeah. We, there's, um, we, in relationship coaching, we call that a myth, myth change really. Cause it is, it's, you are transitioning. You are, you had, there's a myth, like there's the original story of what you once were. Right. And then there's a new story about what you will become. And there is a lot of intentional work that goes into examining what there was, examining what there once was. What, what did you like about that? What did you not like about that? What do you want to import into this new thing? What do you want to make sure you never have again? Right. There's, there's an ongoing process to that. Exactly. Um, and it's also a co-creation, right? You actually get to co-create that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always easy because again, that person 
is not you, right? Yes. You cannot change them. You cannot make them what you want them to be. Even in a friendship, even in a co-parenting relationship, they are still that person. And the, and it's not always going to be easy. It's about always being intentional with wanting that to happen. Right. And for me, and I know the same thing for you, it was for your kids. It is for your kids. And, you know, the, this is so much hard. Like, ultimately, this is so much harder, right? We wish that sometimes we wish that we could just, you know, cut them off with the axe never speak to them again, fuck you, like all of that, you know, would have been so much easier, ultimately. But the hard work leads to something so much richer, and so much with so much more depth. And, you know, it's not just that my relationship with my ex has more depth, uh, my relationship with myself and what I've had to go through in order to get to the forgiveness and the, you know, and creating something new the the depth and the richness is for me, right? Like the person that I have had to become in order to move through this. Yeah. And I also, for me personally, I had an underlining motivation in the fact that my parents got divorced when I was 12. My dad had anger issues and they had a very bad divorce. Yes. And it was very hard on me and my brother's that we had to literally, when my dad showed up at the house, we had to run to the door and get out of the house as fast as possible so they wouldn't see each other. And then when my mom got remarried, it got even worse because then my dad was jealous of that. And so it was a very, very stressful time for me. And I always felt like I had to keep the peace. So when I got divorced, I just made a decision that if I could do it, if I could co-parent and be friends with my ex, that was just high on my motivational chart because I didn't want to have the same situation happen. Yeah. And I had a really weird thing that happened because of it, because we had such a great relationship. And I was like, this is good because we're really happy together and my daughter's really well adjusted because she's not seeing mommy and daddy fight all the time right. and, yeah. and you know, fight over schedules and you were 10 minutes late bringing her back and all that kind of stuff, which certain things you just got to let go of. Especially um, in LA traffic. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? <laughs> Hello. It's just crazy. Right. So I was like, this is good. You know, she was zero when, you know, in my belly when we separated. So I'm like, well, she just doesn't know any different. She just knows that this is a a healthy relationship, right? Right. Even though we're not together. And then when she was six years old, I will never forget it. We were driving back from the Americana and she's in the back seat. That's a mall for anyone. It's a a mall. It's it's an outdoor mall in LA. It's an outdoor mall. We were (laughs) shopping. And she said, Mommy, why are you and Daddy not together? She goes, you guys, you get along so well. Why aren't you together? And I literally just froze. It was because he's a lying, cheating bastard. (laughs) But I was like, I thought I. And here's the thing: life just throws you curveballs, right? I thought I had crafted my life so well, and you know, sheltered her, and like just did everything so well that that would never come up because she would never know the difference. What I didn't anticipate was that she has friends at school that have mommy and daddies that live in the same house. Right. And that question was inevitably going to come up. And I was so not prepared for it. And I could obviously couldn't (laughs) say what was really happening. And I was like, well, you know, mommy and daddy got together to have you. And we're just really happy. And at the time, I was still single and he was in another relationship. So I was like, and daddy's happy with this person. And it's just the way it was supposed to be. But I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. This is like the definition of parenting is that they just ask you questions you're not ready to answer. Yeah. That's like always. The only only blessing was is that I was driving and she was in the back seat. So she could not see the look on my face or the fact that my face just like went white. And I was like shocked. Okay. So funny story. My parents got separated when I was 11 months old. 
So similar to your daughter, I grew up with my parents never being together, except that my parents did like the worst of like screaming at each other. And one of my earliest memories is we had this, I grew up in New York City, classic New York apartment, very long, skinny hallway. And one of my earliest memories is of being in this dark hallway because it had like brown shag carpet and red walls, of course. <laughs> so pretty. Because it was New York City in the <laughs> 70s. Oh, yes. And of my t- my parents just screaming at each other over my head. So that's sort of how I grew up, right? But I came home from nursery school one day and I was like, mommy, 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 Damon's parents live together. Why would they do that? (laughs) And my mom, I'm sure, had a similar moment to you where she was like, fuck, how do I explain this? <laughs> like, shit. Some people live together and, so, sort, and actually and I, like it. And I think that she had to say in that moment, like, that's kind of the way it usually is. Because in the 70s, that's how it usually was. You know, my mom was probably, you know, was a real pioneer in the uh, single mom <laughs> land. But, oh, my God. Yeah. So how? So we were talking about how did you do it? How did you become friends? And so, oh, you answered that question through going through those that that process of forgiveness of what was the first thing? Kind detachment. Kind detachment, forgiveness. forgiveness. And letting go of what the relationship was. Yeah. And here's the other thing. It, and I know you know this. It's always going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I have to say, even after 10 years... There are still challenges that come oh, up. Just when I yeah. think I got this down, yeah. I got the schedule down, <laughs> I got the, you know, whatever, it there's always something that will come up and I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is a new challenge I need to navigate." Yep. It Absolutely. is ever changing and evolving. Ever I I always say divorce is a living breathing entity. It it, you, it never gets to a place, it never lands, and there's stuff that comes up. I mean, I anyone who's on my email list knows that this past week I have had new stuff show up. New like new feelings that are triggering old trauma and I'm having to go back into therapy to deal with a whole wave a whole other wave of uh, pain and sadness and tra- real actual trauma that I ne- didn't acknowledge when it was happening because I didn't want to know, but my body stored it because that's what we do with trauma exactly. is we store it in our bodies and I have to go face it now. And I have been divorced for 10 years. I am so with you. I... Every time I think I, I've just cleared it all out and I'm getting triggered a lot lately too. So I'm like, yes. is the, are the planets a little line like really well, weird right now? Because yeah, it's always about bringing that stuff up and trying to clear it out. And even when you think you've cleared it out, there might be a little piece yeah, that's still that's lingering. Log in the, the, the yeah. pipeline. It is. It absolutely is the truth. And it's, and it's, you're never done. Like yeah. we still like said in the beginning, we're just, you're never done. But I went through that same thing. Like I got triggered this week on something too. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? Am I still like getting triggered? And then I was like, okay, there's something here. You yeah. got to clear it. You got to heal it. Yeah. Just take a and, look at it. And at that point, it's, you know, at that point, it's mine. Right. And that's what I have to, I mean, I, There is, I have anger. What's coming up for me right now is a lot of anger and a lot of rage. And I think that I have to have it. I I get to have it. I, I, I have to have it. And it doesn't have to go towards him or at him, right? It's about stuff that happened, but it's mine. It's 10 years later. It's mine. (laughs) right so i have to go to therapy and i have to go deal with that what i do not have to do is call him on the phone and like you know vomit my rage at him um because it's mine yeah and i yeah i have a friend who vomits rage to her ex (laughs) yeah and that's (laughs) a lot and you just can't yeah it's about taking responsibility and owning your own emotions yep you know and i love the fact that you said I'm angry and I get to be angry. And because this is the other thing, I do this a lot. I suppress my emotions or I go, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. Why am I feeling this? So I'll just stuff it down. It's been 10 years. I'm like, why am I feeling this? It's ridiculous. As opposed to just going, 
wow, I'm feeling this. Why don't I feel it fully so I can move through it as opposed to stuffing it down. And then a couple of years later, it's going to come back up again. Well, and not only that, you know, one of the things that I realized is that I was stuffing it down and stuffing it down. And then what happens is the body, the body processes that as pain. Yeah. And so I've been living with chronic, very severe back pain for a couple of years. But since December, when something really got triggered for me, I've been incapacitated by my back pain. Wow. And it wasn't until I started releasing anger in this last like week and a half or so that my back pain is starting to ease. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's, it is so fucking direct. And, you know, oh, there's the a lot brain, of the, the mind body connection. The mind body connection is, is everything. And, you know, and also back, you know, back is about support. You know, it's, it's all of that stuff. And I yeah. am finally, you know, and, and that is mine. That is my job to process that rage in a way that is therapeutic and healing for me and to be responsible for it for myself. Yeah. Well, a cool thing is that, and it's interesting to know, is that rejection triggers the exact same part of your brain that physical pain does. Mm -hmm. That if like, if you touch something, it's hot, it's the exact same part of your brain. So when you are triggering that kind of stuff, when you're feeling rejected, when you're feeling angry, you're actually feeling that. Yes. As if it's brought it, your brain is processing it as pain. Yeah. 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 Amazing. And I just wanted to say like the, um, in terms of like how to become friends with your ex, you know, one, that is taking personal responsibility is I think one of the most important aspects. And when I work with clients, I have them do a a detailed relationship inventory that is really about learning to take responsibility for what's theirs. How did you get here? How did you make this choice? How did you choose this man? What had you buy into the fantasy, right? Where did this come from? Looking at your relationship with your parents, looking at all of like everything, like deep, right? So that, you can get to personal, personal responsibility and forgiveness, right? Cause it's my choice that got me here. It's my mapping, my, you know, my relationship mapping that had me to choose the person that fit in mm-hmm. my, right? So, and the more personal responsibility we can take, the more able we are to forgive and move into that friendship. Absolutely. And I think the other thing for me is, intention. Yes. Why do you, what's Mm -hmm. your intention for having a good, healthy co-parenting relationship? Hold that intention. Mm -hmm. My intention was for my daughter to grow up with two healthy parents that weren't fighting all the time. Yep. Um, Because yeah, when my parents fought, Mm -hmm. like I head under the pillow until it was over. So if you have a really clear intention, and I know you and I are exactly the same as far as wanting to have healthy co-parents for the kids, if you hold that intention, you're more likely to stick with it Yes, and to really um, make it successful. Yep. 100%. 100%. This is for the kids. I don't care. I, I say it all the time. I don't give a shit how you get divorced if you don't have kids. I don't care. Go for it. Be rageful. Be, be vindictive. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and I coach men and women. So uh-huh. it's been an interesting process. A lot of men have come, into, come to me being cheated on. Yeah, and sure. how they go yeah. through that process mm-hmm. of trying to recover and trying to have a good co-parenting relationship. And so there's there's a lot of it on both ends. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I get a lot of men listening to this podcast for just the same reason. They relate to good men. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of good men. Lots of good men. A friend men. of mine was saying, oh, all the good men are taken. And I'm like, no, they're not because half of them come back out on the market again. Just wait. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Still waiting. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for all of you good ones who come back on the market to get through all of this, all of the trauma and all the drama and come, you know, wait two years, a couple of years, two, two years, of and then, you know, give me a call. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd love for a bunch of you to be setting your clocks right now. <laughs> so I can call Kate in two years. Okay. One of the, one of the spaces that you're moving into that I just want to plug 
and I'm going to plug it before you're ready. <laughs> I know you love when I do oh, that. Oh, no. <laughs> is you're pushing that, me out of my nest. I am. I'm pushing. I, this is my job in our relationship is to, is to push Deborah out of her, out of her comfort zone and out of her nest. So one of the things is that, you know, as I've said, she's a brilliant writer. She's, she is, you know, very instrumental in helping me get my book to market, which is going to happen, you guys. I swear to God, it's going to happen. <laughs> is that you actually now help, you coach people to write their own books. And this is really part of this process, right? It's that something happens. We go through something, we get to the other side and there's something that needs to come out, right? We all have this, whether it's about your divorce or, you know, whatever your, whatever, whatever the, the incident is, right? When you have something important to get out into the world, sometimes you need someone who can teach you how to do that. And that is the next phase of your business development. Yes. That is coming soon. Yeah. It's about taking your back burner goals off the back burner. So whether you have gone through a relationship that you're writing about, like me, you know, mine came out of my journals, or whether you have given up something in the relationship, you know, you used to write, you wrote short fiction or whatever you used to write, and now you're reclaiming yourself and reclaiming your life and you decide you want to write a book. So this is actually combining my two loves, which is coaching people, but also um, my love of writing. I've mm-hmm. been, like I said, coaching screen and television writers for over a decade. And now it's time for me to move into my new phase of helping writers and newbie writers, people who've never written a book before, help them get their book written, published, and promoted. Yeah. (laughs) You push me out of my net. (laughs) So it's write your story, ignite your success is the, and it's going to be Deborah Jean Rogers website and I'm building it and she pushed me out of my nest. I did. I did. I did. But that's okay. She pushes me out of mine too. That's true. <laughs> that's that's why we're do. so good for each that's other. That's why we're great for each other. It's true. All right. So Deborah Jean Roberts, Deborah Jean Rogers.com, which is coming. And now you have currently he did you a favor.com and you have a fantastic breakup guide on your website. Yes. The ultimate um, breakup survival guide. Mm-hmm. And he did your favor across all social media. Yes. So So follow Deb everywhere. Is there anything else you want to say in in closing to our lovely audience? I will close it with my favorite quote from Napoleon Hill, which is, Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Find the favor, find the gift. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.